The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hey, everyone. It's Ali Coram and Justin Nielsen here from IBD for another special monthly installment on Barron's Live. And, you know, Justin, since earnings season is ramping up, uh, we thought it'd be a great idea to talk to investors about how they can utilize options, whether they're options traders or not, to their advantage in earnings season. There's a lot of information that we can glean from the options market. Yeah, that's exactly right. The whole point here is you want as many tools in your toolbox that will give you information to make good decisions. And options are one of those tools. Whether you, as you said, whether you trade the option or not, if you're a stock trader, you can still use the options market, the implied volatility, to get an expected move for the stock after the earnings report. Now, that's an expected move. It's not a guaranteed move. So this is something that we have to say at the outset. Um, you know, there, there can be a lot of things that happen in the earnings report that may make the you know, stock move more or less than you would expect. Right. And another point on the expected move, it doesn't give you direction necessarily. It just kind of gives you a sense of the magnitude of the move, but not necessarily direction. Exactly. Either up or down. So right. let's start thinking about a couple of scenarios. So what if it's a stock, Justin, that I already own? And how could I look at that expected move to determine whether or not I should continue holding my position, maybe lock in some profits? Or if I am still kind of flat on the position, if that expected move uh, could be big enough to where I'd be taking a big loss, if that sort of worst case type of scenario plays out, how should I be thinking about those things? Yeah, there, there, there's a lot to think about, right? Because you know, basically what happened is uh, ever since we got Regulation FD, and that this was something in the early 2000s, Regulation Fair Disclosure, that basically said, look, Companies, you, you can't you can't share information with just these analysts over here and, you know, a few of your friends. It has to be shared with everyone just to make it fair. And the result is you have these quiet periods and sometimes the moves on earnings can be bigger than they were. You know, so sometimes you can see a stock move 10 percent, 15 percent or more on an earnings, uh, especially if there's some surprise in that report. What does this mean for you as an investor? Well, risk management. If you're into a stock and you don't have much cushion, then if you're looking at an implied volatility that's high with an expected move that's at 10% or more, well, that might be more risk than you want to take on. On the other hand, if you're looking at something that has uh, a stock that you have a lot of cushion on and the expected move, uh, you know, maybe it takes away, again, on the downside, if it happens on the downside, mm -hmm. maybe it takes away your profits, but it doesn't really take away your capital. Maybe yeah. you can hold through earnings, but if it's something where you're on the on the fence and oh, this could this could really damage my portfolio based on the size that I have in the stock or the expected move, if it goes to the downside, then you can start making a decision of okay, maybe I need to trim a little bit, or I can always sell the stock, wait and see what happens on earnings, and then buy it back. 
Mm -hmm. And let's talk about, before we go any further, uh, let's take a look how to calculate that expected move, shall we, Justin? So I am going to share my screen. Let's see here. There we go. And so I have Thinkorswim pulled up. This is a simulated trading, uh, which is actually really great if options are new to you. You can uh, play around with it without risking your real capital first. But anyway, let's uh, help investors get themselves familiarized with what we're looking at here with the option chain and how we would go about calculating that expected move. I have ASML pulled up, which is reporting earnings next week. One of those chip equipment makers, it's reporting earnings on the 25th next yes. week. So the 25th before the market opens. So the first thing you do is say, okay, what option chain do I need to look at? And what we do is we choose the nearest term expiration after the earnings report. So in this case, that's going to be the 27th. So you open that option chain. Now, our next step is we look at the at the money straddle. Okay. What, what is a straddle? Well, that's when you're using a call and a put at the same strike price. So in this case, at the money, we have to look at what is ASML trading at right now. It's trading around 640. So we look at the 640 strike price mm -hmm. and you find that in the middle. You look at that 640 strike price and now you're going to look at the call and say, okay, how much does that cost? Okay, that's about, you know, 1675 as the midpoint between the, the bid and the ask here. Um, how much does the put cost? Well, that is also about, uh, let's see, uh, about 1680 uh, in, in this case. So you add those two together and that gives you the price move. So we're looking at 32, $33. Then from there, you can say, okay, if it's a $33 move, and the stock is currently mm -hmm. trading around $640, well, that's about a 5%, 5.1% 5 expected move. And that's up how you or do down. Calculation. Up or down, right, exactly. It doesn't tell you the direction, up or down. Now, there's there are more sophisticated ways of doing yeah. it. Um, you know, some people will actually uh, add a multiplier of maybe, you know, 80% of that, you know, because again, you, you don't, necessarily get the full amount of that straddle. Um, maybe it's 80% of that. So that's one way you can do it. There's also more complicated calculations, but this gives you a rough yeah. estimate to go off of. And sometimes that's good enough for you to, again, just have an extra data point to use for your, your own stock trading purposes. Mm -hmm. So now we've looked at, okay, this is a stock that I already own. What could I perhaps expect? And just to reiterate, uh, it's not a guarantee. So mm -hmm. say the expected move is 5% and it actually moves up or down 10%. That could happen. Uh, but, it, but it does just give you that sort of frame of reference of what you might could expect. And so then just in the other well, layer, one, one more thing, go, I just want to kind of, ahead. yeah, yes. I just want to add one more thing is what you can do is you can actually kind of go back and look at, hey, does yes. this stock typically fall within how its expected it move? You know, how mm -hmm. does it act? Because a lot of times you'll find that, you know, stocks have a little bit of a personality themselves. Now, if it's something that does tend to surprise, a lot of times that will be factored in. But it's good to know, again, what is the history of the stock? Does it tend to uh, go outside of it, it, its expected move? Or is it fairly consistent? Mm -hmm. And also, it's worth knowing 
hey, is this something that doesn't tend to move that much on earnings? And you know, you just simply go back and look at the past earnings moves. Yeah. How much did it move? Did and was that within its expected mm -hmm. move? So again, you're just gathering data so that you can make the best decision possible right. with as many, you know, a, as much information as possible. Yeah. So for ASML last quarter, it was up a little over six percent. Um, in reaction to that, a quarter before that, an upside reversal up 3%. Um, I might have, so let, let's go back in time a little bit just to remove that data block there. Oh, of course, then it's going to re remove when the earnings were if I do that. But uh, I can hover over here. So let's see, this was on uh, 420. So let me just go back to 420 there. Yeah, I added another gap yeah, up two, there, up 2%. Two percent. Uh -huh. So yeah, so it, it uh, isn't just like a, a mild little sleeper stock. It has the potential to move on these earnings reports. Right. And so again, now, if you own the stock, you can kind of get a sense of, hey, is, is that something I can stomach? Do I have enough cushion to where I'm not going to mm -hmm. freak out if it goes to the downside? Um, so again, you're, you're yeah. able to make a better decision. So, and then incorporating chart analysis and proper entries, that's something that, that's important too. You know, we're not just looking at any old stock. Right. Uh, how is it uh, potentially going to move on earnings? We want to be still focusing on stocks that are showing strong technical action, ideally strong fundamentals as well. Even though last quarter we did see some red here for ASML, at least like the forward looking annual earnings estimates are showing some pretty nice growth. Um, we'd have to dig in a little bit more of what the expectations are for this quarter. But if you're looking at technicals alone here, Justin, on uh, January 6th, it did have a nice uh, bounce off of the 50-day line, getting above the 21-day line. So perhaps some investors, uh, even though it wasn't showing the strongest volume that day, maybe they did uh, decide to enter into this stock at that point. So then you can look, okay, uh, how far is it above the 21-day? Roughly 5%. Yeah. So you know, maybe it comes down and, and touches that. Would you be okay with that? Right. And again, with an expected move of about 5%, uh, you know, that doesn't bother me too much, uh, especially if I have that cushion. Now, if I bought this uh, maybe closer to 645, well, then now right. I'm now I'm in a different position, right? Um, or even worse, if I bought it extended, uh, you can you can find yourself in a situation where, okay, I bought it extended, it's already pulled back a little, and if the earnings report knocks it down even further. Well, then I'm looking at a much larger loss than I'd, I'd want to risk. And so mm -hmm. you're going to have to adjust your position accordingly, either trim it or possibly get rid of it um, before the earnings report and wait and see what happens. Absolutely. So great rules to go by for current holdings. But Justin, what about if you're on the sidelines? How might we be thinking about how to use options to our advantage for stocks that are setting up that are looking good, that might have uh, a positive reaction to earnings, but we don't want to predict we still mm -hmm. want to uh, make sure we're, we're factoring in the, those different scenarios to the upside and downside. Well, this is where doing the option, buying a call option uh, with the intention of exercising the option if the stock does what you, what you think it will, um, that, that can be a way for you to purchase the stock, but keep your risk minimized. And, and the reason is because when you buy a call, the most you can lose on that position is the premium that yeah. you pay. 
So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's automatic. You know what your risk is going into the trade. The, the stock can basically come out and say, look, you know, we just found out that our products, uh, they, they kill the cutest kittens in the world and the stock plummets. Oh no, Justin. <laughs> right? yeah, so <laughs> the stock plummets on that, right? Um, but it doesn't matter how much the stock goes down. You have your risk yep. just kind of, you know, capped at that option premium that you paid. So, um, so it's it's just a way to again help you really minimize your risk. Um, go in with your eyes wide open. Now, that does come with a cost. You're going to have to pay that premium. You know, so you have to decide. Okay, how much is that premium based on the option that I'm looking at? Um, mm-hmm. And you can use the near term option um, after the after the earnings report, or you can decide, hey, I'm going to pay up a little bit more and give myself the gift of time to let this kind of work in in my favor. Um, But as long as you have a premium that as a percentage of the stock price is manageable in your eyes, maybe it's 4% or something like that, then you can take on that, uh, you can take on that risk buy the option with the intention that if this works in the direction that you expect, like you've got a nice looking base pattern and you just don't want to buy it two days ahead of uh, the earnings, then you can just say, okay, look, I'm going to, I'm going to do this call option. And if it goes in the direction, then I'm going to exercise. Um, And uh, again, here, if it works, you know, then you've got you basically your cost basis is going to be adding the premium to the strike price and yeah. that's going to be your cost basis. So look on the chart. Does that cost basis make sense? Am mm-hmm. I getting in too extended? Um, and then on the flip side, if it doesn't work, the most you've lose, lost is that premium. So let's walk through all of that with ASML. So it's currently trading, uh, like we said, right around 640. One could argue uh, sort of maybe a narrow cup base here that it's uh, trying to get above around that 643, 645 level with earnings due. So uh, how might we be looking at strikes for this setup? Mm-hmm. So right now we've all already kind of determined that you know our expected move is around five percent. Um, so now let's just look at the call side. So if we were, let's say we wanted to kind of give ourselves a little bit more time and we wanted to go out to uh, February seventeenth. So give ourselves a whole month. Go with the next monthly option. Monthly options are expiring today. Well, now that price is a lot more than you know, 1675, mm-hmm. that price is about 29. So now, okay, you type it in and you say, okay, what is, um, you know, what is 2940 uh, in this case? I think that's about the midpoint. And you say 2940 divided by 640. Well, now you're talking about, okay, uh, roughly a four and a half percent, four and a half percent premium. The premium as a relation premium to the current stock price. In relation to the stock price. And so you can say, oh, you know what? I all, I'm willing to give myself a month, a month's time to see if this can work in my favor. And you can also say, what would my cost be? Well, it would be that twenty, uh, that 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 twenty eight dollars, twenty nine dollars that you'd be mm-hmm. paying for the premium. Add that to the six forty. So now you're looking at about six seventy. So you go back to your ASML chart and you say, okay, am I am I willing to own this? at 670. Um, That's about where it peaked uh, on the 18th of January, just earlier this week. So, um, you know, that's not too far extended. So you might say, hey, this is this is something I'm willing to do. But I got one more caution for you here. This is a higher price stock. Yes, it is. You have to decide 
first and foremost, what is your position size that you're comfortable with in the stock? So yeah, because you know, this is we're, we're using options, not just to trade the option, but as a way to own the shares. Exactly. Outright. So you've got to be willing to say, I'm willing to buy 100 shares of this stock at the strike price. In this case, the strike price being 60, you know, 640. That means you've got to be willing to buy a position just for one contract. You've got to be willing to buy a $64,000 position. That's not something everyone has uh, got the portfolio size to do. Yeah. And not to go on to too much of an aside, but in Baron's Live previously, we've talked about position sizing. So let's just give like some sort of basics of position sizing. So what sort of overall account size would a $64,000 position size make sense? Well, I, I mean, I think at the very least, you have to be looking at... Um, you know, maybe a, a half half a million or a million uh, size portfolio in order to kind of justify starting a position at that level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and, and, I, and I get to that just by saying, yeah. okay, if I'm if I'm going to be buying, you know, maybe ten stocks, uh, yes. you know, and that's concentrated, but that's kind right. of the way we do things. Um, ten stocks, you know, and if if I'm going to start at a sixty five thousand dollar position, sixty four thousand dollar position, then yeah, is I, that I better... roughly ten percent or mm -hmm. less of my overall portfolio? Right. So I'm I'm looking at you know I, I've got to have a, you know probably three quarters of a million to a million or more. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then let's uh, do we need to go back to the option chain for this one, or should we start looking at some other examples? Yeah, let's look at some historical okay. examples. Um, you know, and and again, if there's, uh, I, I don't know if people can submit questions. Um, yes. You know, but if they can, can, you know, submit questions, we can certainly answer those. Um, we've we've got our uh, producer here helping us out, so that's uh, yeah. Uh, have at okay, it. Great. Um, but yeah, let's look at some historical examples, and um, you know, certainly. I think a lot of people thought that with um, with inflation rising, that gold was going to be the play in 2022. Uh, that really didn't happen like we thought. Uh, it does seem like 2023 might be the the gold yeah. play. Uh, it's certainly been stronger lately, especially with the dollar falling. But let's let's take a look at NEM Newmont um, back in February. This was something that we actually uh, did on our. Uh, leaderboard product. You know, we we sometimes will do these earnings options plays, and so we'll just use this historical example uh, and show you kind of the way that we played it, uh, so you can see how this works in in real life. Now we were looking at this on the 17th of February, and it was coming out of this really nice pattern. So normally we would have just said, okay, hey, this is a stock that we want to buy. Let's just buy it. But we knew that earnings were coming up. Earnings were coming up. Um, Gosh, I, I'm I'm trying to remember. I can pull it up real quick. Uh, I thought I had it in my notes, but give me one second. And the earnings were on the 24th. Your... Yeah, the 24th okay. of February. So we okay. had earnings coming up in less than a week. So we said, you know what? We don't, we don't want to buy this right ahead of earnings. So mm -hmm. what can we do? We'll buy the option. At that time, we went with the 67 and a half option. We went a month out to give ourselves that gift of time. So and February 17th, so then that would put us to... It was uh, March 18th was when the yeah. option expired. And so the the cost, the, the premium for the call option was about 2.63 for that 67 and a half strike. And we, you know, we put on that position and said, okay, let's see what happens with the earnings. Now, the earnings, 
it was it was actually very volatile. Not Didn't a positive really, reaction yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. by the end of the day that day. Downside reversal, you know. Didn't, didn't really work out. Now, one of the things that happens, and you have to just know this going in, it's what's called the volatility crush. There's a lot of implied volatility built into the option ahead of mm. earnings because there's this uncertainty. There's this binary event that can happen, and you don't know which way it's going to go, but you know that it could cause a bigger move than normal. And so what happens is your option becomes worth so much less after that report is out unless there's another event coming up um earnings reports are big so <laughs> a lot of times you know the implied volatility goes way down your option is worth a lot less and so again we're not really looking to trade the option in this case we're looking to minimize oh, our shares. risks in the position and eventually exercise so because we had given ourselves the gift of time in this case um we ended up seeing uh newmont go way up, you know, and mm -hmm. so by the time March 18th came around, we had this decision to make. Do we want to own the shares now At that 67, we... yes. right? Or no. 67.50. So we're, you know, what, 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 what price was it trading at on the 18th? Um, if you can it was there, trading, uh, it closed just under 74. Okay. So it closed just under 74. We, because of that call option, had the ability to buy it at 67 and a half. You know, not not 74, 67 and a half. And because mm -hmm. we had already spent some money on that premium, um, it put our it put our overall cost right. below or maybe just above $70. So here we have a cost basis of $70. The stock is already trading at 74. And not only that, but it was getting support at the 21 day mm -hmm. and it looked like it was on the upswing. So this was a no-brainer. We went and you have earnings out of the way. And earnings are out of the way. Yeah. Right. So we we exercised the option and held on to it and and looked at you know looked at it go up from there. So mm -hmm. um, eventually it peaked at 86, 37. And again, based on our cost basis, um, we had a lot of profit at that time. And so now you can make a decision, okay, do I want to take some off here or you know, how do I want to handle it? But certainly having um, what, 16, 16 points of cushion on, right. on an $86 stock, uh, that really helps. That's a nice, nice little profit. That mm -hmm. you yeah. And then uh, for those who aren't familiar about how we think about sell rules, looked like it triggered a pretty clear sell rule just a couple of days later, Justin. So um, right. then that would get us out of the trade for an overall profit, taking, taking some profits into strength. Then on the defense side for a profitable trade. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, of course, there were a lot of things going on at the time. Um, you have the indexes hitting their 200 day moving average lines, getting resistance there. This was well extended. So there's a lot of things that could have even mm -hmm. made you consider offensive selling in this case. Uh, before exactly. The breakdown. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Good step. OK, let's take a look at another historical example. Let's go to Dexcom, DXCM. I'm going to reset the chart to today because this was a, a little bit more recent. This was the late October report. So walk us through this one. Yeah, so the um, the earnings report was on the 27th of October. And we were looking at this um, the day before earnings. Uh, it, it looked really like a, like a really good setup. And of course, this is a, a stock we were familiar with. Uh, it's a diabetes play and you know something that had been, I mean, if you go to the weekly chart real quick, it mm -hmm. had been out of favor for a while. Um, and what we were doing is saying, okay, look, this is kind of a bottoming base. Um, it's looking interesting to us here. And uh, we, we know that this is a stock that can make big moves on earnings 
So we want to be a little bit cautious here. So what we did was we looked at that 105 strike and we went, uh, again, we gave ourselves a few weeks in this case. So we went out to the November 18th expiration. So we looked at that option chain and we saw that the 105, which is, again, is right around where it was trading or at least that buy point. Mm -hmm. If we were looking at that 105.33 as our buy point, 105 strike is pretty much, uh, you know, right in there. Yeah. Um, that premium was about 5.3, you know, so again, we look at it and say, okay, are we willing to own this at about a cost basis of 110? Yeah, mm -hmm. that's not, that's not too far out there. Um, and so we, we went ahead and did the trade. Now the, the risk here was a little bit higher. It was 5%, but we were starting with a half position. So again, um, that means, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be buying basically a $10,000 position to start, um, 10,500. And as a half position, that means my full position size is about $20,000. So again, portfolio size in this case, you'd be looking at if you own 10 stocks and each one uh, was about a $20,000 position, you're looking at about a $200,000 portfolio that this would be appropriate for, for just one contract. Now, if you have a larger portfolio, you can do more contracts. You know, it's just, you kind of load up to the level that makes sense for your portfolio. So mm -hmm. based on that, it was a 5% risk. Um, that seemed, you know, okay to us. And we immediately got a lot of, uh, a lot of gains, you know, very quickly. Now you do have the option, pardon the pun, of <laughs> rather than holding it, um, we actually would have probably come out better in this case if we had sold the option immediately because we still right. had all that time left. And even though the volatility had come down, the implied volatility had come down because earnings were out of the way, we had all of this intrinsic value. We now had a stock that was trading in at 120 where we could be buying it, exercising that option at 105. We had a 15-point cushion. So uh, we, we could have just sold the option mm -hmm. at that point and the money you know, and pocketed run. that money. You know, So that's something that you can do. But again, our, our goal is to take shares of the, of the stock. And at the point that it was trading um, on November 18th, you know, it was still at 113, roughly, uh, 114. And so we still had cushion from our 110 entry. And that 110 entry was basically at the low of the gap up on the earnings report. So we kind of said, okay, look, if, if we can hold on to this, um, then we're, we're okay giving it that much room, you know, and, mm -hmm. and we can still come out of this trade positive, even if it even if it comes all the way down to the low of that gap. So um, it ended up basing, it ended up going out, uh, you know, coming up a little bit, but we eventually ended up uh, parting ways with this one, uh, basically to keep this as a profitable trade. You know, once mm -hmm. it started uh, undercutting its 21 day moving average line, not getting support there, uh, we didn't, right. and, and then it, you know, then it eventually fell below its 50 yeah. day. So. While we didn't make that much profit on this, certainly not as much as we could have if we had sold the option, it's still the main point was we were able to minimize our risk going into earnings yes. um, and we gave ourselves uh, enough time for it to work. Uh, in this case, it didn't, but we weren't hurt. We actually came out of this with uh, with a little bit of profit. Mm -hmm. uh, because you know, another goal is to ideally ride uh, this stock, well, you know, stocks that have the potential to make really big gains if they have the strong fundamentals and the strong technical technical action for potentially several weeks or months. Yes. So, uh, you know, taking that strategy versus just a, a kit swing trade, which uh, we like using those strategies too. But for this right. one, we were trying to get, get, you know, 
it had the potential that we could have gotten more out of it. So we were willing uh, to use those different uh, cell rules with this one. Absolutely. And remember, 2022 was a tough year. This was a this was a yeah. bear market um, <laughs> where, you know, swing trading was a little bit, you know, better More in a favorable. lot of cases uh, because things just weren't the trends weren't lasting very long. And risk management was something that was very paramount to us. Uh, when, when you're in a bear market, it's OK to put some pilot trades out there, but you really want to make sure that you're not taking big hits um, when you're wrong. And so this options strategy does allow you to make sure that you've got those risks really tied up and uh, you're not going to lose too much on any one given trade. Exactly. And uh, another thing that we can do just as, um, you know, sort of a, a compare contrast is look at another stock that has earnings next week. We talked about ASML. A number of other semi-equipment stocks are also reporting too. Uh, we're definitely going to be interested in seeing how those shake out, but also field services stocks are looking interesting as of late and bucking the weakness. So Halliburton, H-A-L, is issuing its report next week on the 24th. Group here, I was going to say Schlumberger, but it is SLB now. Yep. Uh, <laughs> the stock formerly known as Schlumberger. Formerly known uh -huh. as. Uh, uh -huh. Reported today, it's now down just three tenths of a percent, but some uh, really strong numbers here up 73% uh, on the bottom line, up 27% on the top line. Uh, but anyway, back to HAL, it's in an uptrend here, finding support at the 21-day line. So some investors out there might be thinking, hey, well, why not uh, check out how the options are looking for this one? Because this stock is $40 a share, not $640 a share. Yeah, that's a little bit more affordable for some people, again, because Look, normally when I'm buying a stock, I don't care how much it is, because if I don't have the money to buy 100 shares, I just don't need to buy 100 shares. If it's if I only have the money to buy one share, so be it. You know, I'll just buy yeah. one share. Um, but with options contracts, you are kind of locked into a, a hundred share uh you know, mm -hmm. per contract. So it, it does matter you know, the, the, the price in this case. Um, so for Halliburton, you know, it's, it looks like the call is, um, you we'll know, go, roughly, so to the January yeah, 7th, you can go to that January 27th and um, trading right at 41. Now, so we'll look at the, um, at the calls and, you know, they're, they're trading around 112 right now. Um, the puts at that same 41 strike, because we're, again, going to be looking at what is that straddle price, that at-the-money straddle price, to give us a sense of the expected move. And, you know, that's also trading, you know, around a dollar. Mm -hmm. um, so we can dollar, look at Dollar, dollar ten, so dollar five. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let's say a dollar five. So you, you add those two together. That gives you a move, a, a potential move of two dollars and... Um, 22 cents, let's say. So you've got 222. You just do a little bit of math and say, okay, what is 222 divided by 41? And that gives you about a 5% expected move. And again, that's kind of at the top of the range, but um, you know, some people do a little bit of a, a factor of, you know, either 75% or 80% of the move. But, you know, if you say roughly 5.4%, um, that kind of gives you a sense of what's expected here for Halliburton. Um, now, if that's okay with you, then you can say, okay, well, uh, I can take on that risk at 112. Um, you know, how much risk am I taking on for this? Well, in this case, that's about 2.7%. Uh, so you know that worst case scenario, again, Halliburton says, oh, guess what? Hey, we didn't tell you guys this, but, you know, we've got cracks in 
all of our infrastructure. Um, <laughs> sorry, uh, you know, and and the stock just plummets. Well, your risk is only going to be 2.7% of that stock. Now, that's if you're trading the near-term option on January 27th. Again, yeah. if you give yourself that gift of time, that is going to be a little bit more. And so you can decide, hey, I'm going to let this, I'm going to give this a little bit of time. How much time do I want to give it? Um, if you say, I want to go out to the February, uh, again, sticking around that 41, well, now you're talking about a 2 211 for your your price uh, of the premium. So now you're at about 5%. Um, and again, that might be completely okay based on what your risk profile is. You might be saying, hey, I'm willing to give uh, give this a, a 1%, I mean, 5% risk. And remember, if let's say, um, you know, a four, you know, $4,100 position size mm -hmm. is, is okay with you, you know, you can just do one contract. If you do more like $20,000 position sizes, or that's how you start, well, then you can just buy five contracts, you know, or you can do a combination. You can say, I'm going to get my foot in the door with a few <laughs> contracts, and then I'm going to wait and see what happens with the earnings uh, report out of the way. And then I'll add to my position if it goes in the direction that I want it to. Mm -hmm. Lots of options. Yeah, lots of options with our options, Justin. Uh, some great examples there, both current and historical, whether you currently own the stock and you want to see what you might be in for in terms of the expected move, or if you're sitting on the sidelines and you want to be able to manage that risk and know upfront how much you um, might be risking on a trade and exercise those shares potentially mm -hmm. if it moves in your favor. So lots of great stuff there. Now we do have a couple of questions from our audience. So Doug is asking about weekly options. So I guess this goes back to, uh, do you do the short dated option? Do you give yourself a little bit more time? What's sort of the determining factor for you, Justin, because you will pay up a little bit more, like you said, to give yourself that gift of time. Right. And, and a, a lot of times it really comes down to how much I'm willing to risk. Um, now, one other factor that we didn't talk about, but, you know, can matter depending on how you're going to use the strategy is the amount of volume or open interest in the yes. in the stock uh, or in the option, I should yeah. say, the option chain you're looking at. The monthlies will tend to have more, more volume, more open interest, and that means more liquidity. You know, why, why does liquidity matter? Well, a lot of times if there's not very much liquidity, those option market makers, they're going to have to make sure that they're not taking on too much much risk and they're going to have big spreads between the bid and the ask. Um, now, normally, if you're going to be going into an option and then with the goal of selling it you know, or, or closing it, however you're going to do it, um, then that spread can matter because that is a cost of the trade that you have to consider. Um, you know, once you buy it, you're automatically down if that spread is really big. But mm -hmm. if you're going to be exercising the trade, uh, the option, then that's not too much of a consideration uh, or as much, I should say. So it really right. comes down to, does this make sense for my risk profile? And so that's a lot of times what I'll focus on more than um, the, you know, is it a weekly or is it a monthly? It's just, hey, does this time frame make sense? Is there enough liquidity in there that I'm going to be getting a decent price that matches the risk that I'm willing to take. Great. Okay. And Mark is asking about how should we think about expected move versus implied volatility? How do those tie together or how are they different or how should we be factoring in both of those into our equation? Right. Well, they're related, right? So um, when you, when you look at the premiums 
of uh, options, there's a few things that are in there, you know, and, and this is often known as the Greeks, you know, your delta, your gamma, your vega, um, your theta, all of these things kind of go in to make the price of the option. Now, implied volatility is part of that. And so as a result, a lot of times, right before earnings, you will see that implied volatility rise and rise, and that can make the option more expensive. So it is a factor. And that's, it's, it's that implied volatility rise that is giving, um, uh, giving you information, you know, because again, that's, that's how we calculate that expected move uh, because of the premium price, which does include that implied volatility. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, another question. Anthony is asking about, do you ever sell the put to enter into a position? When might we be doing that? Yeah, I mean that's that's something that is um, available as as an option, uh, especially if you're wanting to potentially buy it at a lower price. Uh, you you know you can do a cash secured put, for instance. You have the cash set aside, and you sell the put, and then if it comes you know down to the price that you want, you're you're going to get assigned, right? But you don't care because you wanted to buy that stock anyway. So it can be a way for you to uh, purchase a stock um, at a at a level that you were comfortable with, you know? So I don't know about using that with uh, an earnings, the earnings um, strategy. because for, for me, um, I'm always, I'm always concerned about what can come out in that earnings, right? Because of regulation FD, they have their quiet period. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't want to be surprised by something and say, Oh, this stock is now down a lot and it could be getting hit more. And I, you know, I like to buy on strength. So, yeah. so it's sometimes a little bit, um, you know, hard for me to say, okay, something that gaps down that much. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm willing to pick it up here. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, that's, there's different strategies for everyone. So absolutely exactly. selling a put can be another way to go. A great way to pick up shares, uh, yeah. on, on, on the cheap. And then for an existing position heading into earnings, how might we hedge like with a, a covered uh, selling a covered call, something like that. I think someone was interested in learning more about that. Yeah, sure. You can be, um, you know, this is something we've been talking about on our show for a while is IBD live. Yeah. Yeah. IBD live. You can be doing, uh, covered calls as a way of, you can look at it as two ways. You're generating income, income, right? It's, uh, it's almost like, Hey, I own the stock, but I'm going to charge rent. Um, and, and, you know, (laughs) you're collecting the premium because you're collecting that premium. Right. So, uh, and you know, you can be setting at a level where, Hey, I'm I'm choosing a strike price where look if if it gets yeah. called away from me, I'm okay with it because that means I'm profitable on the right. the stock position. Plus, I reduced my cost basis by bringing in that income. And you can do this week after week after week if you so choose to the point where you just keep on chipping away and making your cost basis lower and lower. Um, so that's one way that you can be just kind of reducing your cost basis and giving yourself more cushion on the stock. Um, if something is really extended you might consider, you know, buying puts, you know, yeah. to kind of hedge your position, you know, you buy two puts with a 50 delta and basically any move that happens in the stock price of the downside will be offset by your puts going up in value. So uh, that's a way to hedge. And the, the good part about that is as the stock price goes up, yes, you're going to be not participating as much because of those puts, but they're going to hurt you less as the stock price goes up. And as the stock price goes down, uh, those puts will come in and actually make you more money than you're losing on the stock. So that, that, that can be another way to hedge your, hedge your bet. Great. And one final question, uh, just maybe 
uh, emphasizing or going into a little bit more detail about how we go about selecting stocks that we're looking at this earnings option strategy for. So yeah, how, how do we do that? How do we find the right company slash chart at the at the right time uh, with these option plays? What are what are some of the key ingredients? Yeah. So. Look, I'm not a fundamental anal analyst, so I can't pretend like I have any inside information on what, you know, or I've, I've run the numbers on these stocks and I know what's going to happen with that earnings report. I don't know, you know. Uh, so what I do is I rely on the chart. This is what the market has kind of decided is uh, the expectation. This is a stock that has set up. And so I do look for those base patterns, cups with handles. I look for pullbacks to the 50-day moving average line. I'll look for double bottoms, flat bases, uh, three weeks tight. Those are the things I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And again, in the case of an earnings option that I'm maybe taking on, I'll be saying, look, this is a stock that I want to buy, but I just am a little bit nervous buying it right ahead of earnings. So let me do this earnings option play to kind of say, hey, I want to participate on the upside if that does happen, but I want to make sure that I am capping my downside risk yep. and not losing too much if things don't go the way I expect. You know, and all that happens a lot of times with earnings reports. Yes, it definitely can. All right. Well, Justin, I know we're just scratching the surface here with options, but I feel like we covered a lot of ground today. So, you know, I think I, I hope that this is helpful for investors out there uh, to add some of these tools to their toolbox during earnings season. Again, whether you are a seasoned option trader or it's new to you, maybe you just want to be looking at uh, the option chains for the potential expected move for stocks that you already own. There's a lot of information that you can glean from the options market. So uh, again, I hope that this was valuable to everyone out there. Any final words from you, Justin? Yeah, look, uh, you know, if you're if you've been a stock trader for a while, options are a different animal. So it's worth doing some study on there. So I would encourage people to, you know, play around a little bit, you know, maybe do some paper trading. Uh, those simulated accounts mm -hmm. are a good way to kind of get your get your feet wet. Um, and you know, do some more digging. So again, I hope that we've made you curious um, as to some of these tools and how to use them. Uh, now it's just a matter of kind of getting comfortable with them because you don't want to be using strategies that you're not quite comfortable with uh, until you kind of know, again, what are your risks? We're always about exactly. the risk management side. Yes, because there are some option strategies where you have unlimited risk. Right. And so you really need to be very aware of that. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much, Justin. And thanks everyone for tuning in. If you want more on options, go to investors.com slash options. And yeah, IBD Live, it's earnings season. We've been talking about various option trading strategies there as well. And that's it for today. We hope you join Barron's Live again on Monday, where our senior managing editor, Lauren R. Rublin, and deputy editor, Ben Levinson, they're going to be speaking with Dr. Ed Yardini, president mm -hmm. of Yardini Research, uh, to take a look at the outlook for financial markets, industries and sectors, and individual stocks as well. So see you on Monday, and we'll see you back here next month for another IBD installment of Barron's Live. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.